it comes. It's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 23 of Nashville Untold, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I will be hosting Michael Del Giorno. I'm a huge proponent of mentors. Uh, mentors, God always brings people into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And there's very few you're going to find that are all three. God has been very faithful, as he has throughout the Bible, uh, to send me critical mentors. Uh, I don't think it was by choice uh, or coincidence uh, that that was my coach and that he would share the gospel with me. Michael has been in broadcasting and talk radio for over three decades. He has been featured nationwide as fill-in host for Neil Bortz and Glenn Beck's nationally syndicated radio program, as well as a guest analyst on Glenn's CNN network television show. He's currently the regular fill-in for Dr. Savage on the nationwide Savage Nation. Michael is also the author of Standing Up for What's Right. It is a book that looks in the depth at many of the issues he talks about each morning. Michael joined Nashville's Super Talk 997 WTN as the 9 a.m. to noon host 11 years ago and loves calling Middle Tennessee his home. He's been married to Andrea 20 years in January and has three kids and 29 pets. You can tell from Michael's story, he has a calling and a purpose that he is fulfilling on the radio and at home. He talks about the importance of his relationship with Christ and how mentorship is key for growth and accountability. He also shares how he is able to leave the talk radio job at the station and not bring it at home, which I think is key, especially whenever what he talks about is politics, and that could be all over the place. Also, Aaron Loy will play a song at the end of this episode that he co-wrote. And now a word from the nonprofit of the month, Adore to Hope. Unfortunately, I did not catch Brent Gambrell before he headed to Haiti, so I will highlight one of the programs. The one I'll highlight today is a Key to Hope feeding program. Every day, children go to school hungry in Haiti. The Key to Hope feeding program promises a child at least one hot, nutritious meal a day. Monthly giving of, say, around 20 bucks not only provides nutrition, but creates jobs and helps the local economy, as all the food is purchased locally. That is one of the things that I appreciate about Adore to Hope. They're not just about bringing everything into Haiti, but they're about stimulating the economy by buying everything local and hiring people local. So make sure to check them out, adoretohope.com. And um, also, you can Google Brent Gambrell. He's got an awesome book out as well. So hopefully next week, he'll be on the call or maybe someone for his office. And now, without further ado, let's hear Michael Del Giorno's story. Hello, Nashville. Today, I am sitting in around Music Row. Actually, this is... Music, like music Row, right? This is the street, dead end. It's one of the biggest recording studios in all of Nashville. And how many people turn around here? A lot. Like, a lot. <laughs> so I'm sitting... Not here, us. I'm sitting here with Michael Del Giorno. Yes. And uh, did I say it right? Andrew. Did I still? Yes. Did I say it right? You did. Yeah, we both yes. did. Okay, cool. Cool. Awesome. Um, so if you listen to 99.7 WWTN, you've heard Michael. And um, he's uh, heavily involved in politics and informing people all over the world. So uh, I, as I was driving here today, I was enlightened and educated on um, a little different side of I the story. I didn't mean to shake your blissful state. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I learned a long time ago um, that there's always two sides of the story. Yes. And it's good to hear different perspectives. So we'll start out with a uh, – actually, in – Two minutes or less, tell me a little bit about yourself. In two minutes or less? Yes. Uh, I'm the son of a radio personality, Bob Del Giorno, very successful in Chicago and New Orleans. The love of my life originally was my mother, Joan Del Giorno, very fun, funny, loyal, wonderful mother. 
I was raised all over uh, because my family's from Italy and upstate New York, and then my dad was in radio. So I'm the only one in the family tree that wasn't born in Italy or New York. I was born in Flint, Michigan. We lived in Chicago from when I was about 5 to 13. So uh, that's where the Cubs fan comes in. We moved to New Orleans when I was 13, which was quite the culture shock. Uh, I went from a very large public school in suburban Chicago to uh, a little private school across the street from a levee along the Mississippi River with goats walking in and out of classrooms. Really Um, nice. But that ended up being the most influential stop of my life. My um, basketball and football coach uh, shared the gospel with me. I grew up Roman Catholic. I'm not suggesting that you can't be a born-again Christian and be Catholic, but for me... It was my parents' choice. It was religion. It was catechism. It was nuns hitting me. But I heard the gospel. It was a very, very cold day. We didn't have a cafeteria. So in order to eat inside in the gym, I had to sit in a Bible study. I was like, no problem, as long as I'm not freezing and I can eat. And I heard the truth, and it set me free. So I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. It's been by far the most uh, eternal and earthly shaping decision of my life. And I've been doing the best I can to serve him ever since. Uh, most days I'm blowing it. Most days he's loving me in spite of that. And he's blessed me with an amazing wife. I have three children, uh, twin daughters, uh, a son. Uh, we love animals. We love family. Really? Uh, 26 animals? 20, or 29, actually. Actually, I have to update that from last night. 28. We had a death. Okay. Uh, oh. Last night a hamster died. So now we're down to 28. We're just like everybody else, you know. We're, um, we're, we're doing the things we have to do to pay the bills to be who God has called us to be. I see myself first and foremost as a follower of Christ, secondarily a husband. I'm a firm believer that I can never love my children more than I love their mother. You know, radio just kind of happened, was never the plan, but it has certainly been very, very good to me. So, but it's not how I define myself. And I'm, um, I understand politics and I believe in them passionately. I do think they impact uh, our culture as a Christian nation, um, but that's not my calling. Uh, I really only care about two things. Uh, other people, and I happen to, to know an eternal truth and a real God and a real Holy Spirit that can overcome anything in their life. And so I'm very interested in knowing people and, and pointing them in that direction. Sounds good. We'll have an altar call later after, after, afterwards. <laughs> All right. So we it's never s- too late, Andrew, for you to rededicate <laughs> know, your life to Jesus Christ, Slim Jims, and Red Bull. A speed round. How long have you lived in Nashville? Uh, it'll be 12 years in April. Time fries. It does. I've been here 17 years. No, 18 years. And you came from not far from where I came from. Yes, right. I came by way of Oklahoma. You came by way of Arkansas. Arkansas. Uh, I, w- I was just above the border of Louisiana. We brought the world Barry Switzer. You brought them Bill Clinton. Yes, that's true. <laughs> and yeah, that's right. Um, so what made you choose Nashville? I had a very successful career in... Um, you know, I was I had a lot of job offers, and in turning down those job offers, the company I was with just kept matching them. So when I turned down WABC in New York, or I turned down WLS in Chicago, they kept matching. So I found myself making a lot of money living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but really wanted, it was time to go. And so for us, uh, it had to be the right place, and uh, we had to take a tremendous pay cut. And we're now restored to what we were making, but at the time, it was a tremendous risk. It was really a nothing in reality pointed to it making sense. Everything in my spirit knew it was and was to be and was going to be. And um, and so on my son's first, first birthday, we mm-hmm. moved to Nashville. And this is, I'm proud to say, the only place my children know and remember. I'm proud to call it home. I, I work on Music Row, but I live in Franklin. Franklin is really my reality. And it's been a wonderful place to, uh, to raise my family. So as I always say, we're probably uh leave this next home in a hearse so Mm -hmm. i plan to live i mean i can't make plans i've done that before with god but uh, the feeling in my spirit is this is where i'll gladly spend the rest of my life so why'd you choose franklin uh (laughs) that was a great story Uh, the only person i knew when i got to nashville was my former program director's wife and he had moved here and she was a realtor so we were standing literally 10 feet away from here and she goes, do you have any idea, you know, where you want to live? And I said, well, I'm pretty much open to any area, uh, anywhere but Murfreesboro. I hear that's a dump. And she goes, well, Brad and I live in Murfreesboro. <laughs> uh, but Andrew and I took a ride, and um, it just so happened to be if you come out here on the interstate, it just yeah. puts you right here off the service road onto 65. So the very first place we went was south on 65. 
And literally, I joke with all my friends who don't live in Franklin. I say, just get on 65 South and exit when it gets beautiful. And so that's pretty much what drew us. It looked the most like, you know, we're not real rural people. Right. So the Cool Springs area drew us. The, mm-hmm. the neighborhoods in Franklin drew us. And yeah, uh, it's really not in any way uh, right. a vote against any other area of town. I think as, as a city and take a raw circle of 30 miles, we've got a lot of great places to live in. Mm-hmm. And I know you find a lot of great homes for people in a lot of different areas. So, And you're heading to Mount Juliet this, this evening, we'll right? Be Mount, Juliet yeah. to, Mount Juliet was the runner-up, as yeah. a matter of fact. Of course, nice. when I would, I'd have been ahead of the trend had yeah. I done it 12 yeah. years ago. Yeah, well, I, my wife and I were having a talk the other day. And I I would I, – I lean – so we live in Mount Juliet. But I lean towards overall Franklin. Yeah. Because – you got the downtown feel. You got the historic aspect. You got all the franchise all stuff. Of you got the you know, and then like you said, it's it's the topography. You know, you got hills and so. I, I like agree. that you it's, can make a left really turn nice. and go two miles and feel like you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got friends with with farmland and it's yeah. And you think you're you know, fifty miles from civilization. Yeah. and You're a mile and a half off Lewisburg, which that's kind of the nice thing about Nashville in general. I mean, twenty yeah. minutes in direction. You got some. No, beautiful. So, Very happy where yes. we live. All right. So favorite genre of music. Well, I have to preface this. Um, I was very heavily influenced, frankly, discipled by some of the greatest contemporary Christian artists. I mean, everybody will quote Michael, and I know him, uh, Amy, and I know her. Uh, but people like Milan Lefevre, Steve Camp, uh, Keith Green, clearly one of the most influential artists in my life. Um, so I would say classic, early, contemporary Christian music, certainly more than the kind of music that's produced today. But I'm very eccentric. Um, you know, all my Italians are very extended family, large rooms, uh, lots of smoke, lots of colorful language, lots of food. And, you know, so all those years as a child hearing, you know, Sinatra, Tony Bennett, uh, Dean Martin, I, I still love a lot of that music, big band influence in New Orleans and, mm-hmm. and jazz. So I'm kind of all over the road. If you ask me, my, my favorite artists probably be Keith Green, Amy Grant. Lyle Lovett, loved Billie Holiday, loved Louis Armstrong. Uh, that's a pretty crazy group. And yeah. then, of course, the traditional classic hits, classic rots that I, right. I listen So I don't know. It would probably be, and then having kids in the car. I mean, I probably know more about Demi Lovato and Camilla Cabela than I do about what Rod Stewart's up to now. So uh, and that's not even, a, that's not a good way either. Luckily, my kids like Matt Carney, and that's one of my favorite artists. So they're always like, can you turn on Matt Carney? I'm like, and I'm really, I'm like, Dude, can we find something else? Like, yeah. please. I'm just all over the road. Yeah, I am too. I am too. I, actually, that's what I love about XM. But I'm in it. I'm in it for the lyrics. Yes. You know, I'm not into. Uh, you know, I, that's that would be my problem with today's mm, hit music. Yes. Um, they're not telling stories. It's to me the excruciating screams of a blind, lost culture. Um, and I and I'm listening, and I yeah. hear. It. I'll never forget. I was driving the car one day with my mom. We were driving from New Orleans to Shreveport. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. And all of a sudden, Benny Mardonis came on into the night. And, I, and for some reason, it just it finally hit me. I've been singing along to the song. I'm like, she's mm. just 16 years old. Leave her alone, they say. So, Mom, I think this song's about having sex with an underage girl. I was like, get rid of it. And I never listened to it again. And I never liked the song again. So I'm really lyric-driven. And yeah. uh, that's Are why you? contemporary okay. Christian and, right. and probably some uh, loved Kansas. Kansas mm. was very influential for me growing up. Yeah, it's funny because like, I was maybe it's because i couldn't remember lyrics like i was into the music more of the music yeah and now i listen to some of the stuff i listen to i'm like yeah that's a little rough might not should listen to that. i remember being eight years old and i was picking up on what you know carly <laughs> yeah, Simon was saying right. i was always you listening really to the words the yeah it's, it's yeah. different it's funny words it? matter to me and I'm listening. i mean i could throw up some bass in my car and i like the sound of it you yeah. know and so all right um what's one of the most exciting places you visited hmm to give a shameless plug, because I hate Disney, uh, the Disney Cruise is very exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, anytime I go to Washington D.C., uh, I'm very much connected to history. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll never forget when I moved. I did finally leave New Orleans and took a job in Washington D.C. And I'll never forget my first visit. They have since raped and pillaged it. Some of the best uh, NASA stuff is either in Huntsville now, or at Dulles Air- near Dulles Airport in D.C. They completely stripped the air and space museum but when i went there it had everything and i remember sitting in front of the um, apollo capsule literally could not move for two hours you know just thinking neil armstrong sat in this chair and just staring at it by the way we have probably right now 
five times the room they had in that capsule strapped mm-hmm. to a rocket with the notion they can land on the moon, walk around, and get back in it. So I'm always connected to history. So I think anytime I go to D.C., I mean, we just went last year, and thanks to Congressman Desjardins, we had an amazing White House tour. I actually played with Bo, Obama's dog. That was actually about two and a half years ago. We had the White House to ourselves, to which one of my daughters got a bloody nose and blood all over the marble, and Secret Service had to clean it. Nice. Uh, Nick got sick and puked all over the Senate chamber and in the rotunda area. We made our mark like the Griswolds in our nation's capital. But, um, no, I've been a lot of wonderful places, uh, sandals at the Bahamas, Disney mm-hmm. cruises. But um, I do love the history of Washington, D.C., and I love visiting Abraham Lincoln every chance I get. Yeah, that's cool. And I talk to him. All right. And people film it and think I'm nuts. Do they? Really? But there's no chance of me being on the Supreme Court, so <laughs> I'm safe. All right, so now we'll dive into a little bit of your story. So if you were to take a leisurely stroll down Audubon Park Greenways and reminisce on your younger years, what are some memories that would come to mind about your family and environment that had an influence on you? Well, uh, my childhood was riddled with dysfunction. Uh, My parents had a very dysfunctional marriage. Um, My brothers were, um, I used to host Bible studies in my home where my brothers would walk in blowing marijuana in people's face. Uh, so it was a very, very, if we made a lot of my childhood a movie, people would think somebody took great liberties with the script. My childhood really reminds me of being in a crowded room full of dysfunctional people trying to save those I could. Mm. <laughs> so I don't, I guess, um, how did that influence me? Um, I think it solidified the, the two sides of the gospel. I mean, uh, Jesus came that we might have life eternally and life on earth abundantly. And I have seen the choice to not serve God and the consequences of that and what it produces. Um, and I think it added to my faith that came as a gift. Uh, and it has always made me uh, a person that has had very strong faith, never had any doubts, always chose Christ over me, over others. And I think it's because I've seen life live so poorly that I didn't have the struggles with God to be on the throne. I never felt like I was better than those people. I felt like, but for the grace of God Mm -hmm. and how he reached me when I wasn't looking for him, that I would not go down that path and breed those death and circumstances. I know that's the oddest way to answer the question, but I think if I got into cuisine People that live in New Orleans are like a lot of people that live in Las Vegas. If, if you picture us down on the front, I think I went to the, the only time I ever went to the French Quarter the whole time I lived in New Orleans is when people visited. Mm. I mean, it's just not a reality. Uh, what New Orleans is, is a lot of people that love life, love family, love getting together and eating and finding a reason to be together. Um, it's a very unhealthy place to live, an unclean place to live. But they're very, very good people. Mm-hmm. So I never miss living in New Orleans. I miss a lot of New Orleanians. Right. Uh, you know, beyond that, I would say meeting, meeting, having Christ shared to me by my coach is all I think of when I think mm. of New Orleans. And dear lifelong friends, many of which I've buried mm. uh, since, um, is probably all I think of in terms of influence. Which is interesting because, as you said, what you were doing, which was sharing the truth as your dysfunctional family was around, our culture is kind of dysfunctional and you're sharing the truth now. Too. So I, I, guess it I just want influence. I went to know? my mother's best friend's funeral two years ago. And, um, that, that was one of two points I wanted to make. The first point was the false reality that she's dead and we're alive when it's the other way around. Uh, and then secondly, me and her, and I mean, this goes back to me at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Uh, we were like the only two sane people in the crazy room. And there really wasn't, there really is not anything I do on the radio that's any different than what I was doing with Maureen at the table all those years. Mm -hmm. So it's funny you pick up on that. I absolutely believe uh, God works all things together for the good. But he knew, he's past, present, and future. He knew who I was going to be, what was equipping me. That isn't the most shaping things, but that's really my takeaway from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. It's pretty intuitive of you. Yeah, thank you. Thank Andrew, you. you know more than Holmes, don't you? You're not leading on. <laughs> For real. As we experience life, we usually have some experiences that really have an impact on us and can change the trajectory of our current path. 
Um, were there events in your life that sent you on a new direction? I was driving on Yale Avenue in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, I was as successful as you could possibly be in radio, um, monetarily and credibility and esteem-wise. And I can't remember who sang it now. I Surrender All. Um, yeah, I can't I surrender remember either. all my silent hopes and dreams. But it was just one of those moments where um, now everybody's yelling at the podcast who sang it. <laughs> I had a traumatic brain injury in a car accident eight months ago. Some things have slipped my mind. I, I did hear that. But I was uh, driving down the road, and it was one of those moments. I mean, we know when we're singing, and then we know when we're worshiping. We know when... Um, we're worshiping whether God's listening or not and when he's right next to us while we're worshiping. And that was a perfect, intimate moment with me and God. And I looked him square in the eye and I said, I've never identified myself by anything on this earth. And you know that. Um, but if there's anything in me that is not of you, kill it. I will pay any price. I surrender all. I finished that drive another mile, walked into my office where I was probably the most secured, employed mm. person on earth and was fired wrongly. And then five, six months down the road, out of money, lost everything. I couldn't go a week without a job interview. I couldn't get anyone to respond. And that literally happened. With literally happened like, right as I said it. Wow. And I could give you all kinds of spin. When you're a man and you lose your job, and you start believing, oh, I'll never work again, you start learning there was more of your identity than you thought mm -hmm. when you were talking a good game with God. Um, and God was going to show me, and, he, and it's, it, God always does, he's never teaching one lesson, there's seven, and look out for six and seven that you never saw coming. But in my case, uh, he did show me how much I was dependent on me and not him, uh, how much I had not surrendered to him, how much he loved me to cause a life pause, an impossible life pause. And so I had a lot of bad, bad days. I mean, in my robe, beard growing out, mad. But at the same time, I was a mature believer and I knew God was doing something. And so I was very sincere in my negativity towards myself. And I was also very sincere in knowing him better. And because I always believed that I can't make him known unless I know him. And I can't serve him unless I really genuinely love him. And I can't really genuinely love him unless I really know him. And it's a two-way street. So in the end, all this confusion, losing everything, nobody wanting to hire me. A friend calls up and says, I got a friend running for United States Congress. I know you don't do politics, but I know there's nobody smarter than you than at marketing. Will you take over his campaign? And uh, I said, well, sure, I'm not doing anything. It'd probably do me good to get out of the house. And I spent two months with this guy. Nobody was more dependent on God moment by moment, inclusive of God, moment by moment. This guy would pray about every thought. It was really off-putting to me and different. Um, his name's Scott Pruitt, and he just went down in a blaze of glory as our uh, EPA secretary. Um, and we actually came in second place in that congressional race. But what happened was that while God, by his Holy Spirit and by my desire, was reshaping me spiritually for the future, uh, he used this guy and that volunteering and race to reshape me. I mean, I started for the first time looking at things politically like, like you don't. And I didn't care either. I was, I was fixing my eyes on the author and perfecter of my faith. And I'm about the kingdom of God. And America's had good days, bad days. I don't care. And it really woke me up. And the unborn demanded my understanding. Um, marriage between man, woman and God as a covenant demanded my understanding. And so spending time with this guy, everything from energy and environment to foreign policy, it all started making sense. But God knew what he was doing in reshaping me for, for his service and for exactly what I do today, whether it's filling in for Michael Savage and reaching 10 million listeners or being on WTN uh, reaching 100,000. And I think that was the most influential. It started with a purity of heart cry to God. Mm. There really was at that moment with God in my presence that I wanted more mm -hmm. than to 100% love him. And he certainly loved me enough to grant it and cause, allow my life to pause through being fired. And uh, then he reshaped me spiritually and politically to do the service he's had me doing for 25 years. Hmm. You know, 
you have kids. There's nothing. When you, when I walked into a room and saw my wife and instantly knew that was my wife forever. I mean, for eternity. That was a lo- most sh- life-shaping moment of my life. When my two twin daughters, 30 sec- 26 seconds apart, came out, and I had seen them because there were some threats, um, they were considered monoamniotic, which is very dangerous, that both mm. twins would be in one sack where they could tangle. So we used to get very vivid ultrasounds, and we'd have visitation once a week. It was beautiful. I'd give Andrea all kinds of chocolate just to jack him up so I wouldn't see him sleeping. Ah. But finally laying eyes on them, mm-hmm. crying, staring at me, cutting an umbilical cord. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, oh, yeah. those things, uh, they change you forever. But if you're going to ask for a typical yeah. thing, yeah, that I knew God loved me enough to send Jesus. Not mm-hmm. not for everyone, but he, just me, even if it had just been me. I knew that. But um, being blind to portions of my heart mm-hmm. I hadn't given him, seeing him take six months to reshape my heart and mind for service. Um that's the event hmm. I would so when, go to. So when you initially said what you said or singing the song, you probably gave him a big belly laugh, right? He's like, ha, you think you know me, right? No, the biggest belly laugh from God. <laughs> you don't have that question prepared, but I'll give it to you. So we were not <laughs> supposed to have children. We had been mm-hmm. to every specialist. Everybody, it got to the point where we'd be out at dinner and strangers would walk up to us and start laying hands on my wife's stomach and praying for us. It was crazy. I tried through Dylan. Uh, international to adopt a child and apparently I didn't wait the meet the height weight ratio to adopt a Korean child so then out of the blue when we finally gave up we had a tragedy where we lost two very important people they died coming to our house in a car accident mm, Wow and then literally um, days after that we apparently conceived and found out a month later and so it was just such a miracle that we were having a child period we never really gave it any thought beyond that. And so we were at um, Babies R Us, and we start looking at strollers. And that was one of the most incredible experiences of my life because I don't know what I expected. I guess mm-hmm. I expected one or two, maybe three choices. <laughs> and there was literally 100 yards of strollers lined up, all named after cars. You could get an Explorer. You could get a Silverado. You could. And so we're looking at all these strollers overwhelmed. We have an ultrasound appointment. Uh, we had 30 minutes to kill and we get to the very end and there's this double stroller and I said who's the poor son of a gun that's going to need that wow and then 30 minutes later we were informed we were having twins (laughs) that was probably the biggest belly laugh from God that's funny well I do like what you said on the first first story was how you did ask for him to give you you didn't do anything I didn't ask him yeah uh, that's cool because I had a conversation with somebody recently about you know just really actually just on the road Brent Gambrell um, about, you know, seeking the desires of your heart, you know, because he can give them. All right. So if you were to have a few radio segments that just featured people in your life that had a huge impact on you, who would they be and why? I'm a huge proponent of mentors. Uh, mentors. God always brings people into your life for a reason, mm-hmm. a season or a lifetime. And there's very few you're going to find that are all three. God has been very faithful, as he has throughout the Bible, uh, to send me critical mentors. Uh, I don't think it was by choice uh, or coincidence uh, that that was my coach and that he would share the gospel with me. Uh, Tom Crimsear was very, very influential in my life. He was a program director and consultant. Uh, David Hall from KFI in Los Angeles was very influential in my life. Through this season, I just talked about a man named Alan Gates and David Willits, who was my pastor. David, probably one of the most influential people in my life. He came at a time in my 20s where I was mad at God and I was being very self-destructive. He bumped into me at a restaurant. I'm holding a cigarette, a drink. Who knows what Kavanaugh activity I was up to. Uh, This guy just loved me as I was and Mm. said, I hear you talk about Jesus every now and then on the radio. I'd like to get to know you. Uh, And he got to know me and he mentored me and got me... um, back on the right path Uh, alan walked me through that very influential time and to this day uh, god's always been faithful to have mentors he sends me people to watch after me i need that accountability not that i have the same temptations i had earlier in life but i'm not above it i'm just smarter and don't put myself in positions to have them but david zanotti is a tremendous uh, mentor to me even today and i've and i've always been blessed everywhere i go god sends me very godly pastors Mm -hmm. uh maury davis uh alan jackson uh, these are people that have meant the world to me. So um, that would be a long list. Yeah. Um, 
Johnny Carson, just as an off-the-cuff. Groucho Marx. Uh, I have strange people that have influenced me. Keith Green had a tremendous influence. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, there's a talk show host, Dave Balm, uh, that when I was a little kid that used to... And this is long before there was talk radio. He did nights on a music station. It was called Contact, 828-9110. And me and my brothers would lay in bed and listen to it. And we just, and he, unbeknownst to us, he was my dad's best friend. And when my dad and mom got separated, he actually moved in uh, to an apartment with Dave Balm. But he was very, very influential. Strange influences throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always looking... Um, the older you get, the wiser you get. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. Um, I don't surround myself. I see my daughters. You know, I, To me, it all boils down like Paul with Romans 12, 1. Therefore, uh, in view of God's mercies, offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. See my song story and losing my job and being completely mm-hmm. changed by God. Uh, don't conform to the patterns of this world. I see in my kids a lot of things I haven't seen in decades in terms of immature, sinful nature. My daughters need to be accepted and conform. And so, to be honest with you, if I want to control my daughter, I control who she hangs out with. And so by switching her from a public school to a Christian school and changing the people she's... And I'm not suggesting you can't have bad influences at Christian schools, because you certainly can, but uh, it has dramatically impacted her. So I choose very carefully who knows Mm -hmm. me, who I hang out with, who I spend time with, uh, because of, of A, protection and accountability, but B, because I respect mentorship. Iron sharpens iron Mm -hmm. powerfully. Mm-hmm. And there are times I'm weak and I need them and they sustain me. And there are times they're weak and I sustain them. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most life-changing things that I would have your people give thought to is the word encourage. Something I've never thought about. Um, Alan Jackson, a pastor at World Outreach, does this little daily devotional. I get it every morning. And, and he had on this about two weeks ago and it was so powerful. Words we use every day that we never think about the meaning. Right. And uh, when I encourage you, I'm imparting my courage to you at a time of lack of courage. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful thing to do. The answer is too numerous to mention. For every season of need, God foresaw and sent Mm -hmm. uh, even to this day. Mm -hmm. Mentors are everything. Yep. And uh, they've all shaped me, but nothing more than the Word of God or Christ's example. Yeah, it's cool you say that because I'm I'm sitting here going like this. You're like, yeah, is he really know what I'm talking about? Um, I'm very concerned about your salvation, <laughs> yeah, Andrew. I right. really am. I think suddenly you're into real estate and greed. Uh, yeah. You, you got, I think you could go tiny living oh, on man, us. I could. You I could, could go tiny living on us at any point and go I'm liberal. I'm set up to just be independent. Um, but, yes, yeah, the, the guys, when I think about that, many throughout my life, and even now, like, I mean, I just had some, I was being introspective of myself and ask a couple questions of wise people, and Literally, you know, one hour conversation, you get two or three nuggets that just kind of boom, open up this thought process, you know. And so it's really cool, like being open to that mentoring and accountability. And I've been in a mastermind group of entrepreneurs doing all kinds of stuff over the last three years. Um, And even like last Wednesday, I think like I I was kind of just not as motivated and I was really didn't really want to get on the call. But I did, and then I threw out my question and then walked away motivated and just, you know, one thing that uh, that Vincent Puglisi is the one that, that leads it, he said, give without expectations and just in everything you do, mm-hmm. you know? And I was like, man, that's, that's how good, often do we good. do that? Yeah. 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 I mean, really? So it was, so yeah. I love Although it. I'm doing it, it right now. Yes. <laughs> Me too. But I, that's what I love about it, though. Like you said, but then again, I didn't know what a cool trailer you'd have, and I'm, that you would look just like Len Fry. So oh, this is has been a thrill for me. <laughs> Somebody told me last night they're like, "Oh my gosh, you look just like so and so." Like they were at our church, and they're like, "And and I want to be like, all right, you're so a cross between Glenn Fry and uh, Gary Chapman." Okay, that's a Glenn, good look. Glenn or Len? Len uh, Fry? Did you say Glenn Fry? Glenn Fry from the oh, Eagles. Oh, okay, gotcha. See, I'm terrible with names. So that's why. But you do. You look a lot. You're a cross between him and Gary Chapman. Okay. All right. Cool. You could Thanks. have dated Amy Grant had you been around. Really? At that time. Yeah. So. Um, so you got Chaco for you. Shout out. <laughs> favorite restaurant and favorite nonprofit. Oh, God. Well, favorite nonprofit is the National Rest Commission, overwhelmingly. I felt called. Um, I don't think it was a coincidence again. My very first day on the air. No, second day on the air. Second day on the air was a remote at the Nashville Rest Commission. And I had just completed about 15 years of service with John 316 in Tulsa. And what's waiting for me to confirm, this is where I belong, the Nashville Rescue Mission, my second day here. The purity in which they really are worshiping God and meeting these needs. I've seen it from the top down, uh, that we give in the name of Jesus uh, first-class love, 
uh, cleanliness, uh, clothing, bed. Uh, we meet the needs of the transient community, and then we identify those that we can restore, and we do. And we do more successfully than anybody in the country. So shout out to organization, absolutely hands down, nothing even close to the Nashville Rescue Mission. I encourage everyone to give, although I love Scott Hamilton and Scott Cares, mm. shameless plug. Um, there, there's a lot of great organizations, but for me, it's the Nashville Rescue Mission. That's what I feel called to. Favorite restaurant? I, you know, uh, look at me. I love all food. Uh, you know, probably the last one I ate at. Okay. Like, I, I just went to Sperry's. I haven't been to Sperry's mm. in forever. And uh, loved their salad bar. Had a great steak. Um, tomorrow, I could go to a great Mexican restaurant. I love that. If you're ever near a food truck called Red 615, Stop and get the hot Nashville chicken. Okay. Uh, but I don't know. I, I love all restaurants. I really don't have one single one I would say yeah. out. Yeah. I think I'd fall with that, too. It's kind of like when people are... We eat a lot of Mexican at the Del Giorno, believe it or it's, not. And it's such a... Oh, and, the best home, Italian, wow. and the best Italian food in Nashville is in my house. So, okay. You uh, cook or your yeah, wife? Yeah. And then I go to... Well, actually, New Orleans. Uh, yeah. Uh, get the grilled... Grilled oysters at Drago's. There, there's your plug. Next time you're in New Orleans, at downtown New Orleans. Hilton on Poydras. Go ahead. Nice. Oh, did you want a shameless plug in Nashville? No, that's good. You're good. You, just, you, you're refined. Thanks, Glenn. I mean Andrew. <laughs> I mean Gary. Uh, you have been in broadcasting for 35 years and talk radio for 29 Isn't of those. Isn't that pathetic? Isn't it though? Just in case you didn't know that, I figured I'd inform you. Um, that was on your website. What have been some struggles along the journey, and how did you face them and come out a better person? There's only one struggle. Um, there are people in talk radio, and I won't mention names, that are in it for the process. You know, they um, show what do you think about Brett Kavanaugh? Is he a rapist? Seven three seven WWT. I mean, they're just in it for the argument, or there's shallow political. Uh, I wouldn't call them operatives, but shills. And that's what it's all about. That's not me. Um, I, I love God. I love America. I love my family deeply and believe in these absolute truths. So for me, it becomes a do not grow weary in doing good yeah. uh, battle. Mm -hmm. um, because this stuff wears on you. I, I think anybody that would have never done it, I can't tell you the hours and hours and hours and hours and hours a day of things I read and study that never make it on the air. So I am constantly exposed to this negativity and to not let it seep into your soul, not let hopelessness seep into your soul, not frustration or anger, rage uh, seep into your soul. Uh, it's a constant battle, mm. and it is the worst part of the job. Uh, that and death threats are no fun. Hateful people on social media or mm -hmm. emails, you know, constantly. Right. Um, but yeah, that's that's always been the worst part. That why did you choose a career in radio, and specifically kind of now focusing on politics? Uh, I didn't choose any of it. Um, my my choice was to uh, go to Bible college. It never opened. My parents uh, had gotten separated. And I needed to stay close to my mom, so I chose not to go to Central Bible College in Missouri and wait for Jimmy Swaggart's Bible College to open, which it never did. And in the process of it never opening, uh, I had started doing radio just for fun really i started volunteering at a christian radio station then i got hired at a oldie station and so there i was um a sophomore in college with no bible college opening running out of general courses i could possibly take that could apply and already making a good living in in radio and right about that time the ownership of that radio station was launching a new one in oklahoma and wanted me to go there so radio just kind of happened uh, while my plans fell through and uh, everything else since then has, mm -hmm. has been all about um, how God chooses to use it. My one promise to my listeners and to you is I never do it in the flesh. It's not a shtick. Uh, it's not a gimmick for me to stand out. Uh, it's done at a high cost, but it's done authentically and as God's calling me. And um, I always have his favor and protection. It really is. When I fill in um, on these national shows, and the extent of which I get to share the gospel and nobody's ever said you're no longer welcome mm. or radio stations never said shut up talking about Jesus or you're fired <laughs> um, is absolutely inexplicable. Yeah. I can't explain how it hasn't happened. Now, was it when you went to D.C. and in between losing that one job and you were helping the politician 
that you kind of got more into the politics of the yeah i never i never had okay. a i never did a political thing on the air until okay. after that okay now the dc was early in my career okay um the uh the getting fired was in 2001 and then relaunching a station uh, best part about that story is to get back to that and give god his uh, wola moment when god was finished shaping me i'm laying in bed and i feel the holy spirit say call kvoo now, KVO is where Paul Harvey started. It was a 75-year country station, 50,000-watt AM. And I'm like, God, why would I call KVOO? They're a country station and have been for, you know, 75, 80 years. Call KVOO. And it's one of those moments where you know it's not you and you know it's God. I wake up the next morning. I'm playing Buckaroo Blackjack on AOL. And that voice comes back, call KVOO. And I just got so fed up that I, I went to their website. I couldn't find any links to any emails. So I said, see, God, I, there's nobody to even call. There's nobody to even email. I don't even know who I would call. So then that voice kept coming and coming. So now you got to understand for six months, I couldn't get anybody to return my calls. Not a board op, not a program director, not a consultant, not a general manager. So I get on the website. I was really mad at God. And I go to Journal Broadcasting Group, which is radio, television, and newspaper, the mother company. And I find the CEO. And I email him. My name is Michael DelGiorno. I got fired. God's reshaping my life, and now he's telling me to call you and tell you to change the format of KVOO so I can have a job. I think this is crazy. I want to get back to Buck. I mean, it was so sarcastic. I wish I had saved it. <laughs> and so I hit send, and I go back to Buckaroo Blackjack, and I hear a bing. And I remember, like it happened five minutes ago, I said, now, God, you know what that is? That's auto-reply. Watch. So I shrunk a Buckaroo Blackjack. I raised up the screen, and there was an instant reply from the CEO. Of Journal Broadcast, good. And it started off, Michael, I'll never leave Tulsa, Oklahoma, Del Giorno. I'm in a meeting. I'll be out in 20 minutes. What number can I call? And he called 20 minutes later. He flew to town 24 hours later. And two weeks later, we flipped a 75-year country station. Wow. And it just goes to show, you know, fix your eyes on the author yeah. and of your faith. Seek first the kingdom of God. Delight yourself in the Lord. When he was done doing the hard work of trimming, cutting to the mm -hmm. soul, vines, when he was done with me, the getting a job part, nothing. Yeah. Nothing for him. That's uh, pretty cool. I mean, those are some pretty strong yeah, they'll, stories they'll change your, in your life. They'll faith, change your life you forever. Know? So, did I yeah. choose politics? No. Did I choose radio? No. If I chose my wife, no. Thank God. He chose all that in spite of me. All right. So, with so much going on in the world, with um, we're all going to die in very soon really like and is there is there a new date <laughs> no, out there no that might be i shouldn't <laughs> joke there might be um so what do you do to keep your attention focused and how do you turn off your work and all this politics that you're educating yourself with um and focus on your family i don't know how you wouldn't focus on your family um the the honest answer would be that's not even in my wiring or temptation there's nothing on earth more important to me than my mother and father are still alive, my wife and my children, and my wife and my children are in my face every second. So I am first and foremost physically there. Uh, if you are physically home, uh, you're, and, and I'm, I'm with my children to the last one leaves for school in the morning, and I'm the first one they see when they get home from school. Uh, they kind of demand your focus, whether you want to or not, uh, making the most quality of that time. Right. Uh, is a whole other subject, but uh, it's not even a temptation. They are the priority of my life, therefore they are the focus of my life. Um, um, I guess it's doing it enough that, or long enough in this that you're able to just turn it off. And um, Tony Robbins in Personal Power, probably a lot of people make a cocktail joke out of that. I actually did Personal Power when I was 25 years old, not to get rich. I just applied it spiritually, the process. Um, but he has a formula, and I believe it's true. Passion. If, if somebody is not living a consistent life for Christ, it's because it's not their passion. Mm -hmm. So just get real with yourself. Get real with God. When you're passionate about God, you'll be in his word. When you're passionate about, his, about God, you'll live that word. Mm -hmm. You'll obey. You'll forgive when you don't feel like it. You will serve when you don't feel like it. You will give when you don't have it. You'll, you'll do it. But his formula was passion equals focus equals action sets in motion a direction and it arrives at a destination and i assure you if all you're thinking about is lust and pornography and women 
that's what you're focused on and that's what you're acting on. Sooner or later, you're going to flirt. Sooner or later, you're going to go online. Sooner or later, you're going to go to a strip club. Sooner or later, you're going to call a prostitute. It will lead. It'll set in motion a direction and a destination. And the same is true as God, with God. So politics is not the passion of my life. So the minute it's 1201, it's out of my heart, it's out of my mind, and it's gone. It just is. I don't, I don't talk about My wife's more into it than me. You know, I get home and I'm like, do you really need to watch Fox News? Do we really need to do this? I can say genuinely where the hierarchy is, I'm equally condemnable. But my wife and kids are always the passion of my life. I like to keep Christ ahead of them. Sometimes it's a bit of a... Right. It's just not even a temptation. Right. That's right. a bad answer, but it's no, the truth. No, it's good. I, I like it. I'm actually... Working. I have found nothing on this earth that has been able to woo me away from Christ, my wife, or my children, period. Nice. So. Well, we're, uh, we're heading to the beach next week, and I intend to totally um, unplug from all electronics. Like, we're going to have... My wife's like, but what if I need to call you on the beach and I'm here? I'm like, we're, I'm literally going to bring a walkie-talkie. Like, I don't want the temptation to be on there. I got, like, five new games, beach games for the boys. That's all I have as boys. And I'm just, like, going to engage with the family full week, you know. Um, because I... You Bound know, to be memorable. Yes. I I think it will be. Even, yeah, for myself, for sure. All right. So, um, to switch gears a little bit, uh, how do we deal with the transportation problem in Nashville? I think technology has changed. Um, you know, I... People haven't been completely honest. Um, if you've ever driven and noticed the difference in traffic when school's out. Yes. Um, and I think, you know, we are uh, certainly uh, university-based, that's for sure. Um, things aren't so strong in Williamson County as they think because everybody in Williamson County is driving into Davidson County going to private schools. So, um, you know, I'll have discussions about a train if you'll have a meaningful discussion about the failure of government schools. I'll discuss uh, train and bike lanes and scooter lanes. If you'll have an honest discussion that we could equally stagger the time of the legislature, stagger the time of university class times um, and work times. And we're ever increasingly in a, look, I could do this from, I have a little room off my bedroom where Mm -hmm. I could do this. Uh, I don't need to necessarily come. So uh, for me, I think, Infrastructure is a priority of state government, always has been, always will be, uh, just like public safety is. So you should always have money for corrections. You should always have money for law enforcement. You should always have money for infrastructure. It's because we have spent non-priority money at priority levels uh, that we have to have, have people come back and beg. That would be like you having exotic vacations, buying this trailer, uh, renovating it to the tune of 80 grand so that you could go around doing podcasts and then tell your wife you can't afford the mortgage. Um, So I think a zero-based prioritized budget and return to the priority, number one priority in the state is infrastructure. And I think it's probably more cement and lanes Mm -hmm. uh, than it is train. Uh, But there's a lot of other things that nobody wants to talk about because it doesn't fit their political narrative. Is it obnoxious? Yes. If I ever moved, it'd be the number one reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Hands right. right now. I leave Franklin and I'm literally when I pulling out of my driveway, I'm 18 miles from where we sit right now. And it takes me at best an hour, in most cases, an hour and a half to go 18 miles. That's ridiculous. Wow. And frustrating. And that's if somebody doesn't kill me at 80 miles an hour running into the back of me. So. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we get beyond politics and we get to real life and real solutions, we'll have a serious discussion that will result in a serious consensus. Until yeah. then, I don't play the game. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, we go through Atlanta and, well, Memphis is always doing work. But we're feeling more like Atlanta. When we cruise around, well, at least Atlanta is actually adding (laughs) lanes and stuff. Here, there's really nothing going on. Like, nowhere. How do people navigate the political world? With so much going on and so many um, conflicting stories, how does one find the truth? How do people think for themselves and not be so easily influenced by what they read or hear? Well, they are influenced, um, and they're conditioned to be influenced. Um, first of all, by nature, uh, we are conformists, so we are able to be influenced. Uh, we all crave acceptance over character. Um, I think it begins in common education. I mean, I look at government schools today. They're, they're almost 85% now indoctrination and socialization over education. They're literally guilty of that. Um, so we, we get out of 12th grade indoctrinated 
uh, every day at school for eight hours a day, only to watch our cartoons and be indoctrinated, our favorite sitcoms and be indoctrinated, our dramas, our video games, our YouTube videos, uh, any, see any Disney show, uh, any movie, Hollywood's indoctrinating. So, I mean, you know, I think we the, the first thing is a reality check. Um, ignorance is a great example. Ignorance used to mean just what it means. It doesn't mean that you're stupid, mm -hmm. Andrew. It means that you're focused on real estate. You're focused on your boys. You're focused on your marriage. You're focused on the Titans and the Predators. Or you're focused mm -hmm. on fishing and hunting and camping. Uh, you're not interested. Uh, I spend very little time studying chemistry, biology, botany. Why? I'm ignorant. I don't care about it. I don't know it. But by the same token, I wouldn't get in a um, passionate discussion at a cocktail party about botany. In other words, we knew when we were ignorant and we shut our mouth. Today, ignorance is not a disqualifying. You know, um, and, and if you call somebody ignorant, that's intolerant. No, people are ignorant. They got 500 channels. They've got all their favorite websites. They've got all their favorite peccadillos and everything else they're up to. Um, I find nine out of 10 people are talking about things they don't understand. Um, but I will say this in their nature, or this is my hope and what I do for a living. Uh, if you can reach them and if they do hear you, uh, they can understand and they're capable of changing. I see that every day in women who are staunchly pro-choice, which, by the way, they don't understand the politics behind that. Uh, it really isn't pro-choice, you know, because if it was pro-choice, nobody would care what choice was made. They're definitely pro-abortion. But we see women, woman after woman, staunchly pro-choice, see an ultrasound video of a baby being aborted and change their mind like that. The same can come true with the environment and its ties to Agenda 21 and sustainable living. That was a massive globalization plan to eliminate superpowers, military and economic. Uh, the science wasn't there. And if you did everything they said, you wouldn't touch the temperature by one-tenth of one degree. So it was a manipulation. But... You know, people won't necessarily take the time to study mm -hmm. these issues. Ignorance won't disqualify them from being outspoken. Uh, so we're in a war, and we're in a war up against Hollywood and every movie and every television show and every sitcom and every K-12 through teacher, it seems like, virtually, every professor virtually, every news. So history is rewritten by Hollywood. The reality is rewritten by the, the uh, dishonest, biased journalists and the news media. So in a sea of lies, how do you find the truth? When you look for it. When you genuinely want to find it, it's always there. Mm. So, yeah, I like that. I like just me look too. A, look a lot harder. I'm a pretty than, amazing yeah. guy, aren't yeah. I? Yeah. Maybe you should start listening. <laughs> Get out of now. your shell a little bit. Hold on, you greedy. Is that prideful? Is that like? Is that pride? Uh, or is that was, confidence? If it or? was serious, that, that was actually <laughs> joking. I know you were. What would be your advice on somebody looking to pursue a career in broadcasting? Uh, that's a tough call. Um, you know, I, I don't think anybody. Um, would tell you there's a big, big, big future in print. Um, I don't know what the future of radio is. Uh, we, we've seen satellite come and everybody say, well, there goes radio, and it hasn't. Uh, we've seen social media come, well, there goes radio, and it hasn't. Here comes all the sea of podcasts. What's the future in radio? Uh, corporate radio has certainly had a negative effect. Uh, when I started in radio, you could have 30 stations in a market, and probably as many owners. Today, if you have 30 stations, it's really three owners. Um, and they like to synergize, which means we're going to, I mean, basically radio, in most, in most markets, this is a really exception in Nashville. I think I might be one of, the, one of a handful of local nine to noon shows anywhere in the country. Anywhere. Uh, most radio markets all sound the same all day. And the only opportunity is to be the morning show. The morning show is going to be the biggest name. It's going to be the face and voice of the station. And he's going to stay there 25, 30 years. So you tell me how many job openings there are. Mm. Um, getting into radio is about as much of a long shot as playing in the NBA. And why do I say that? Well, at least in football, there's 31 teams and 53 men on the roster, not to mention a practice roster. Um, in basketball, there's just 13 spots. And 10 of them stay there for 15 years. Uh, it is a real long shot. My advice would be, Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Seek first the kingdom of God. If he leads you there, it's already pre-mapped. If you're doing it in your own spirit or in your own guessing, boy, it's a long shot. And I don't see a lot of prosperity or sustainability in your future. 
Well, that's a bad answer, right? <laughs> Make sure you're you're really called to do it, right? I, I guess, guess that, that would be the, the nice answer. Well, you're in a crowded, you know. What yeah. What's your advice to somebody wanting to get in real estate? Um, uh, nine out of nine out of ten fail. Uh, there's about twenty people already doing exactly what you're going to be yeah. doing. You know, same thing. What is your uniqueness? What is right, your credibility? Exactly, exactly. What is your calling? Yep. If you have all yep. that, you will succeed. Yep. I don't care if it's yep. down to the last show on a last station alive. Yep. Um, the other thing I I don't have a I don't have that preoccupation that it has to be radio. Look, God's called me to something specific. I can do it on the radio. I can do it on a national show, on a local show. I can do it podcasting. I can do it in a daily devotional. I can do it in a book. I can do it, you know, there's many ways. That is a book, Dr. Yeah. Seuss. I can do it on a boat. I can do, do it, it on a road. <laughs> but, you know, your calling doesn't have, I don't feel limited to radio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, you know. Cool. But, yeah, what will be my advice? Uh, make sure you're unique. Yeah. Uh, protect your credibility. Um, have something to say so you start with knowledge um, be entertaining and either are or you're not and um, it's a very limited world due to corporate influence so yeah. there's not a lot of entry level opportunities yeah I like but that. I, my advice would be whatever you do whether it's receptionist board op be the best there ever was and opportunities will be created yeah and find something I mean that is one of the reasons why I, I came up with this well I mean it was put in the brain was to be unique because you know somebody else well you're unique you're the and first hey per- and it's like uh it only takes what a month to get suckered your- me in yeah it's there unique. you go right it's like hey that's cool um it only takes i think a month or less to get your real estate license it takes longer to be able to cut hair than it does to be a realtor it's kind of crazy i'd rather be a realtor yeah oh me too all right so if you could go back by the to way your- go ahead. any openings um in, in real estate mm-hmm. yes okay yeah definitely talk to you after the broadcast yes yes if you could go back to your early 20s and impart some words of wisdom to yourself in regards to parenting, marriage, or life in general, what would you say? What would I say? Um, wait for God to provide your wife. Stop trying to find her and everybody you meet. Nothing more important than that. Mm. Yeah, that can affect you, her, many people down yeah. the road, kids. I mean, that's my only regret. Yeah. I would have waited. It's not unreasonable that God chose 30, 29 or 30, depends on the month. I think it was 29 still for my wife to enter my life. Um, but it was unreasonable for me. And so I never, you know, conditioned by the world, conditioned by my family, conditioned by my older brothers. It was just, you know, go to high school, play sports, go to college, get married. Get, you know, I mean, every book. What did everybody do in the church? When I, I in the Jesus movement, everybody got saved and got married, um, and it was reasonable for God uh, to have my perfect. You know, it was not good for me to be alone, and my perfect soulmate uh, wasn't going to come around because she's seven, eight years younger uh, until I was twenty-nine. And um, no, I would say, wait, Michael. Yeah, just wait. It's worth it. All right, that it. What, what other regrets do you want? Um, let's see. Uh, no, Probably should have gone to WLS in Chicago. <laughs> Probably should have worked more on my speed and agility because I was a major league baseball hitter. Okay. But a minor league fielder. I don't regret get, having a bulldog. I regret how short they live. Get used to it. The more you know people, the more you love animals. Other than that, I don't know what else I would have said to me at 20. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, so from the great words of Paul in Timothy 4-7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. When your journey's over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? Oh, one single. I hope, I hope in spite of me, they saw Jesus. And um, I hope whether it was good times or bad times, uh, gave you a few laughs along the way so that you didn't take this earth so seriously. Um, it really is a garbage dump compared to where we're headed in every aspect. All right. Well, that's all I got. Anything else you want to add? A couple of loose boards I think we should address quickly. Yes. Um, I, I, this place uh, is falling apart. Th- it does because it's a little bouncy down the road. So I literally it, – it's been good. I think I've, I've tapped quite a few of them in. But, uh, yeah, there's some. This is great. No, it looks great. I'm joking. All right. Well, man, appreciate your time. You got Thanks it. Thanks for uh, sharing the story. And Now I get to go home and do banking. Awesome. 
As you can tell from the interview, Michael does not beat around the bush about pretty much anything. He says it like it is, and that's kind of one of the things that I really enjoyed about listening to his uh, talk radio show um, during some of the uh, presidential elections. I guess um, I guess that's kind of how you got to be on talk radio. That conversation was challenging to me in regards to sticking to my convictions as well. I am sure you walked away with some great insight as well. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Next week, Tom Beaupre will join me in the Rambler. He is the bass player for Florida Georgia Line. He is also a songwriter and is jumping into wealth management as that has always been a strong suit of his. So make sure to tune in for that. Thanks for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe, share it, and feel free to leave a review. Make sure to check out the show notes for more details on the guests and ways to connect with Michael DeGiorno or Aaron Loy. And you can just tune in to the radio, 99.7 WTN, if you're in Nashville, and take a listen to uh, Michael's show. Now, crank up the volume and enjoy a song from Aaron Loy. Here is a, uh, this is a song called Thank You in Advance. I wrote with my, uh, my buddy, Mike Bauer. And um, it's a song, um, a lot of times in our lives, we, uh, we thank God after stuff happens. And, and this is one that kind of takes the opposite approach, thanking him before, uh, before the good times come sometimes. So. Children sing a song when you parted the sea, and I have done the same when you made a way for me. Though I love to sing your praises for all you've done in the past, this time I want to thank you in advance, in advance for your provision. How your hand is gonna move In advance for your protection As I follow after you And if there comes an answer I don't understand I'm still gonna give you thanks In advance Your disciples stood in all. When you calm the wind and waves And every storm that I've gone through well, You left me amazed and Though I love to see your praises For all you've done in the past This time I'm gonna thank you in advance In advance for your provision How your hand is gonna move in advance for your protection as I follow after you. And if there comes an answer I don't understand, I'm still gonna give you thanks in advance. Thank you for what you're gonna do. Thank you, you're gonna see me through Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna see me through Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you In advance for your provision How your hand is gonna move in advance for your protection as I follow after you. In advance for all your wisdom and how your hand is gonna move. In advance for your direction, I know you're gonna bring me through. 
I comes an answer I don't understand I'm still gonna give you thanks I'm still gonna give you thanks I'm still gonna give you thanks in advance Oh, thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you for what you're gonna do Thank you, you're gonna bring me through Thank you Jesus, we thank you you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes and be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time.